you here. We're in a series called Activated, and uh, this has probably been the, the longest series we've done in so many years, and we just felt like it was really important for us to spend a good two months on what it is as a church, what we're called to be as a church. And so the first couple of weeks, we kind of looked more introspection. What does it mean for us to be a part of the church? Talked about the power of prayer in week one. We talked about the power of the Holy Spirit in week two. We talked about spiritual family in week three and four. Talked about God's, that an activated church is where God's at home, where God is here, he's present, he's in this place. And then we started shifting gears. I don't know if you noticed this. I don't know if we really even said that we were doing this, but we started shifting gears and started talking about what does it look like for us now to be the church? Um, Not just for us individually, but what does it look like for us corporately? So Pastor Bubba shared a message called 3 p.m. Christians, and we talked about uh, the the lame man and and how uh, Peter and John healed this man and had open eyes and open hearts and and open mouths. And then last week, uh, we talked about don't stop the flow. And I talked about generosity and that a generous church, what it looks like and the importance of it. And uh, we heard some absolutely incredible stories that came out of this. Uh, But today, the title of today's message is The Church Has Left the Building. The church has left, come on, look at somebody say, The church has left the building. We're going, all right? We're getting there. Excited about this. Hey, why don't you do this real quick? Why don't y'all welcome all those who are joining us online? Come on, we're glad you're here. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, If this is your first Sunday to OSC, let me just say you picked a great Sunday to come, and you'll see that in just a minute. But Acts chapter 10 is where we're going to go. If you want to go ahead and pull uh, pull out your notes, you can follow along. Um, We also have the scriptures on the screen as well, and uh, we encourage you to follow along with this. Acts chapter 10 is where we're going to be, starting in verse 37 and 38. Now, scholars say that this verse that I'm about to share with you is one of the greatest verses in all of the New Testament that summarizes the ministry of Jesus. If you were to summarize why Jesus came and what Jesus did, Acts chapter 10 is one of the greatest verses in Scripture that shares that. And I'm going to read it out of the message translation just to give it in a different, uh, different way for us to hear it. But he says this, you know the story of what happened in Judea. It began in Galilee after John preached a total life change. Come on, how many know Jesus didn't come for partial life change? He came for total life change. Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth and anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. And ready, here he was what? Ready for, ready for action. Now watch this. The next verse, it says, he went through the country. Now this is what Jesus did. All right, everybody help me with these green letters. He went through the country helping people and and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil, all right? He was able to do all of this because God was, God was with him. God was with him. And Jesus came to help people. He came to heal people that were beaten down by the devil. And he was able to do this because God was with them. This is, yet again, what scholars say summarizes the, the story of what Jesus came to do. And I don't know about y'all, but if this summarizes what Jesus' mission was, how many know we want this to summarize what we are called to do? To help people that are hurting, to heal people who are sick, and we can do this because God is with us. God is with us. And so today, as we dive into this, I want us to look at what does it mean like for the church to leave the building? And I, I want you to write this first thought down, okay? Here's one big thought, and that is that people in our communities feel like life is against them. People in our communities feel like life is against them. 
Uh, this is so true. This verse tells us that, that, that Jesus was helping people who were beaten down by the devil. How many of you just, let's just be honest. We're all transparent here. How many of you have just had a season where you just felt like you were beat down? Anybody? Just, just beat down. Maybe beat down emotionally, maybe beat down financially, or beat down relationally, maybe physically. You just felt like maybe somebody actually did a beat down on you. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but we've, we've all probably been through that. And just as much as we have been through that, I want you to imagine people in our communities feel like life is just against them. It's crazy because we live in a society in a day and age where people are more connected digitally than ever before, but more lonely than ever before. People are looking good on the outside, but really on the inside are really broken and hurting. And we say this all the time. You can come into a church the size that ours is and still be lonely and still be hurting and still walk out and nobody ever knows that. We, we, we live in a community that I'm telling you right now, people are being beaten down, beaten down with addictions and beaten down with life and beaten down in relationships. And people are feeling hopeless over the last couple of years, probably 50% of the funerals that I've done have been suicides. That is a hard funeral to do. What, what, what causes someone to go to that is many times they feel hopeless. They've been beaten down so much in life that they think that the best way to deal with this is just to, just to end it all. Which, hey, can I just tell you, that's not the way. Jesus has a better way. Which, is, which leads me to my second thought, and that is that people in our communities feel like life is against them, and they don't know that Jesus is for them. Come on, how many know Jesus is for you? Jesus is for you. Jesus is for you. We know that we have the hope. We have the joy. We know that Jesus comes, and he brings total life change. We know, I, I, when you know that God's in your corner, how many know that changes everything? When you know that God's in your corner, that God is for you, and it's so many people that I talk to, you know, when you talk to them about, man, just how life's going, and, and you know, they start sharing about struggles and pain and hardships that they're going through, and I'm like, man, you need to come, come to church, and then they say things like this, no, 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 man, if I walked up in your church, that place would catch on fire. I'm like, you should see some people that walk up in our church. It hasn't caught on fire. <laughs> don't, don't point. And... Um, <laughs> But it's, it really is how it's feel. It's, it's the sad thing that when we need Jesus the most is when we run most from him. That when we need people around us that can encourage us is when we feel like I've got to get my act together. I've got to get, when I get, my, my, when I get myself together, then, then I'll walk into the church. And the, the reason why people believe that is because they don't believe God's for them. God is for you. He is for you. He's for you. Like, I, I just want you to understand that like, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that Jesus is standing, I mean sitting at the right hand of his father, praying for you. Like, like I, I've had guys that come up to me and, and be like, hey, Pastor Josh, can I pray for you? And it's exciting and it's good and it's great. But come on, it's another level when you know Jesus is praying for you, when Jesus is with you, when Jesus believes you. I'm, I'm telling you right now, Jesus is for you. He's for you. Now, here's the big deal, though, okay? People won't know that Jesus is for them until they know that we are for them. People won't know that Jesus is for them until they know that we are for them. And I'm going to tell you right now, our Savior's Church exists 
in this community because we want people from Lake Arthur and Welsh and Mermintaw and, and Roanoke and Hathaway and Elton and Jennings and all of the surrounding communities and all the coves that we got going on in this area to know that God is for them and we're for them. God is for them and we're for them. When people think of our Savior Church, I pray that they think of, man, those are just people that love people. Like they are for people, that no matter how you walked into this place today, whether you walked in and life's grand or you walked in and you're high, like we are for you. And one of the greatest ways that people know that God's for them is when they see people for them. And that's why God puts the local church, an activated local church that is the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus. This has, begin, this has been God's desire from day one when he started the church. When Jesus showed up on the scene, he wanted to show people how much he loved people. And one of the first things that he did before he really even started doing major ministry things is he formed a team. And I wanna show you what happens when he forms this team. Watch, watch follow with me in Matthew chapter four. In Matthew, Matthew chapter four, it says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living, okay? So this is what's going on. These guys are fishermen, all right? So I, I just want you to think about it. One of the things I love to do is kind of put myself into the story. So these guys are professional fishermen. Their life is, is, is pretty quaint. They wake up early, they get their nets ready, they jump in a boat, and they go take off on the Sea of Galilee. Now, I have actually had the privilege of being on the Sea of Galilee. At the beginning of this year, I had a chance to go and uh, visit uh, the Holy Land and was able to actually be on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. Okay, it, it, it is not deadly as catch, okay? <laughs> like, it's a calm water for the most part. Very calm, okay, very quaint. These guys are professional fishermen. Jump in a boat, throw out nets, Haul in fish, this is what they do. Okay, so it's, that's their kind of life. They get up early, they don't have to talk to anybody. I can, I can think, like they're introverted guys, don't really want to talk to anybody. That's why they like talking to fish, because they don't talk back. And uh, they, they, that's just their life. That's their life. The Bible would say that, that these guys would go out all day, fish all day, fish all night, and not catch anything. Like, what were they doing? I call that a man nap. That's what they were doing. That's what that is. And so these guys here... Are, are living this kind of life. And then one day, it changes. Watch what the next verse says. Jesus calls out to them and says, come, what? Follow me, and I'm gonna show you how to what? I'm gonna show you how to fish for people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a new job. Watch, watch what's gonna happen here. And so they left their nets at once, and they just followed him. Now here we go, verse 24 says this. Now watch. News about him, speaking of Jesus, spread as far as Syria. And it says, and people soon began bringing to him all who were what? Sick. All who were sick and whatever their sickness and whatever their disease, or if they were even <laughs> demon possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, and he healed them he healed them all. Yet again, Acts chapter 10 tells us that he helped people and he healed people. This was his job. This is what he did. Okay, so watch. Ready? So Jesus says, I need a team. I need a team. Now I'm thinking, if you're going to get a team that's going to be around a bunch of people, you want some people person team. 
But he says, I'm going to go choose some fishermen who don't like people. And I'm going to invite them into this. And can you imagine day one on the job with Jesus? And he's like, what are we doing today, Jesus? We're going out on a boat? And he's like, no boat. We're going to go up in the city. What are we doing up in there? Just watch. And he goes out in the city. And now all of a sudden, all these people start flocking around him. Sick people. Anybody a germaphobe? Sick people. And if not to make even better, demon-possessed people. Now think about it. These guys living a quiet life. Now got demon-possessed people running after them. I'm one of the disciples. I'm going, I didn't sign up for this. I don't know what the heck is going on. And Jesus, on day one, tells the guys, welcome to ministry. Welcome to your new life. You wanted to come follow me. I'm glad you did. Now I'm going to show you what it is not to fish for fish. I'm going to show you what it is to fish for people. And if you're going to fish for people, you got to be up in a lot of people's mess. They're going to be sick people around you. They're going to be hurting people around you. They're even going to be some demon-possessed craziness around you. And I can imagine what they're thinking in this moment. In one moment, these guys go from being surrounded by peaceful water to be surrounded by sickness, craziness, and insane people. In one moment. And Jesus says, hey, guys, welcome to the good news tour. You just jumped on the tour. Let's, let's go. And this is what he was telling them. This is what your life's going to look like now. Now, here's, here's why I say all this. Because what Jesus modeled, he meant for you and I. What Jesus called his disciples into, guess what he calls you and I into? Jesus calls you and I into this exact same thing. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, notice he did not say, okay, we're going to go sit in church for an hour and just listen to someone preach. He says, no, 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 no. we're going to now go be the church. It's time for the church to leave the building. And here he goes. He takes his guys, and they begin a ministry tour of healing and helping and healing and helping and healing and helping. And if there's anything that our Savior's church will be known for, I pray it's the same things Jesus was known for, which is healing and helping and healing and helping and healing and helping. And if there's anything I want my life to be known for and I want your life to be known for is for healing and helping and we're healing and we're helping. And I'm gonna just keep on saying this until someone agrees with me in this place that we are healing and helping and healing and helping. Second, Chronic, uh, Second Corinthians tells us that Jesus died so that we could no longer live for ourselves. And the only people who don't like healing and helping are the people who are focused on themselves. Because you want healing and you want help, but I'm telling you that God wants to help and heal you so he can use you to help and heal somebody else. Are y'all with me today? All right, this is what an activated church looks like. And so Jesus began to bring these guys on what I would call the good news tour. The good news. We're going to go and get this word out of how awesome what God wants to do for you and I. So I want us to jump in on this good news tour. So if you're taking some notes, I want to give you four thoughts today. And uh, this message is not long by any means. It's one page. You should be praising Jesus for that one. Um, I'm slowly getting my way back in. Um, I'm going to give you four thoughts today on how do you and I jump in on this good news tour. Let me give you the first one. Number one is to help one person. Help one person. Now, 
We can help a lot of people, and if you can help more people, that's incredible, but I, I want us just to start small today. I, I just want us to be a church that just, if everybody in this place would just say, I'm going to just help one person today, I'm going to just help one person this week, I, I'm telling you, we could begin to start a revolution. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to help somebody. Listen, you can't help everybody, but you can help somebody. Let me say that again. You can't help everybody, but you can help somebody, somebody. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you will engage in helping somebody, God will engage in helping you. I, I, I have a story. I was just I, um, a family here that's in our church. So last week, um, how many of you were here last week when Pastor Bob talked about generosity? How many of you here? And, and you saw the $100 illustration. Y'all saw that? So we did this last week. We did it at all of our campuses where we gave, gave money away. You should have been here. And, um, and so... Uh, last week, we gave $100 away, and uh, one of the families that we ended up giving the $100 to, we did not know the backstory of some things. And this was a cool thing, because I told all of our pastors last week, we're on, we, we pray on the phone every week before our Sunday mornings, and so we pray over the service and stuff. And so we're just saying, guys, let's just really pray that who we give these to, that it's just a way to just show them how much God loves them. And, uh, and so last week, we found out that one of the families that we um, gave the $100 to, it was a cool thing. They, that morning, didn't have much money. They had just, the, the wife had just had surgery, and so they didn't have a lot of money already. But they went to McDonald's for breakfast before church um, with just a few, few dollars. And so they bought their breakfast and just had $2 left. They saw a homeless man walk in. And both of them, husband and wife, started talking and said, they're going to kick him out if he doesn't buy something. So with just literally a couple dollars left in the wallet and in their account, not knowing how they're going to pay for him to have gas to go to work or anything else like that, went up to the guy and said, can we buy you some breakfast? Bought him a breakfast and then came to church with an empty wallet. Well, guess who got the $100? $2 became $100. Almost as if God was just going, let's do it again. Let's do it again. See, because when you help someone, I believe God begins to open up heaven to try to help you. This is, this is, this is the rule. Uh, last week, Pastor Bubba talked to us, the world of the generous gets what? What does it do? Anybody remember? It gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. God is calling us as a church to continually be generous, to continually find ways that we can help. Now, let me say this. Helping people is not, is not just monetarily. You can help people with time. You can help people with just listening. You can help people by just being there. You can help people by mowing the grass. By, there's so many different ways we can find ways that we can just help. Sometimes it's just encouraging someone is the greatest help that they need. Praying for someone in, a, in the middle of Walmart shopping aisle. You're going to have to wait your turn. Okay, and we're just praying. Just praying. Right there in the beans. Okay, just praying for the Lord to show up. <clears throat> That's where the Lord really ministers, right there is in the bean aisle. And so, um, so, as a church, we feel like we don't want to just talk about that. We want to help you do that. So, we have these cards printed up that look something like this. It says, something extra to show you God loves you. And we are now going to commission our entire church to go out into your communities and your neighborhood and in your workforce and find a way 
to bless someone and help someone and give them this card to let them know how much God loves you. But we're also going to take it a whole nother step further because on the backside of all of this is $5 for every single person that's in this room. Everybody in this room is walking away with $5 and one of these cards. And we're going to take it another step further because all of your kids in Quest are getting this exact same thing as well. So all of you are going to walk away. Man, if you came with a family of eight, you're like, cha-ching. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, all those online, you should have been in church. We're giving away money. Okay. On top of that, to make it even better, yo, we're doing this at every one of our campuses. So over 1,400 people in our church are going to be walking away with $5 each to go and to be a blessing. And there's only two rules. You can't spend it on yourself. Some of you are like, oh, lunch. Uh-huh. And you can't give it back to the church. You have to actually go and be a blessing to help someone. And I want you to pray, just like we prayed last week when we gave away $100, I want you to pray and ask the Lord, who is that? And be looking, because here's the cool thing now, now you'll be looking, because we just gave you some of our money, which is God's money in the first place. So on your way out, you're gonna get one of these. We're gonna commission all of us to go out and find a way to help somebody. The second thing is this, write this second one down, is to join the team. Join the team. This is a, notice Jesus didn't just do, Jesus wasn't a one-man show. Jesus had a team. He invited his guys onto a team. He, he did not do this alone. All of us is greater than any one of us. I'm going to say that again. All of us is greater than any one of us. It takes all of us to do what God wants to do. If, if I don't do what God's called me to do, and you don't do what God's called you to do, how many know we don't do what God has called us to do? All right, we're all, we're better together. We, 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 we kind of ring this bell a lot, but it's so true that your purpose and my purpose are linked together. Mother Teresa would say it this way, you can do things I can't do, I can do things you can't do, together we can do great things. Together we can do great things. And together we're going to begin to do things like we've never done before. And our church can never do all that God's called us to do if you don't do what God's called you to do. And that's why we are committed as a church. That's why we, we talk about Next Step all the time, getting you plugged into Next Step because we wanna help you discover your purpose and learn how you can make a difference with your life. And we're always asking, like, what do you love to do? And where's your passions? And I mean, if you love working on cars or if you love cooking, or if you love, you got a passion for widows, or if you got a passion for whatever it is, we want to help you do that. We want to help you figure out ways that you can be a part of the team to make a difference. In the coming weeks, we're going to be sitting down. I met with our outreach director. We're going to be sitting down with our mayor and all of the principals at all of our high schools and all of our city councilmen and a lot of the people that are in our community that, that hold ranking jobs in our community, and we're going and walking in, and here's the question we're asking. How can we help? How can we help? How many know the church should be the answer to that question? How can we help? How can we be a help to that? And so God is doing a lot. God's, God's expanding us in big ways. As many of you know, next weekend we launch our fourth service next weekend. So we're going 5 p.m. next weekend. Excited about that. Very, very excited. Who's excited about that? Anybody else in here excited about that? 
Yeah. Well, let me tell you what's going to happen. We got to have you to do it. We got to have you to do it. It takes about 50 people every single service to pull off our services. When you multiply that times four, that's 200 people. That's a lot of people to make this church work. But every part doing their part is what makes our church what it is. Last weekend, I, had, uh, I was in Crowley, and my middle son, Judah, who's 11, Saturday night comes into my room, dad, 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 you going to Crowley? Yeah. Can I go with you? Sure. He says, I want to help in kids. No problem, bud. So we drive, me and Judah, drive to Crowley last week, and there's, they have two services, and you know, I, I preached, he helped in kids, and he did both services. And so um, took him to lunch, we're driving back, and I, as I'm driving back, God speaks to me as I'm driving back. And he says, I need you to tell your son this. And God tells me, Judah's just as important as you are. Judah's just as important as you are. And so I, I, I said, Judah, I, just gotta, I need to tell you something, bud. God wanted me to tell you, you're just as important as I am. And what you did today was just as big as what I did. And while your daddy was preaching, you were preaching. And as your daddy was loving people, you were loving people. And our church wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for you. And I just want you to know, thank you for doing what you do. Because I don't force my kids to go to church. I don't force my kids to serve. I don't. They can choose to do whatever they want. But he loves it. He loves it. He begged this morning to go. His mom made him stay home because it was a late night. But he begged to come again this morning. He loves it. It's not a job. It's a joy. Amen. How many of you know serving on our team is not what we have to do. It's what we get to do. I'm on the dream team. And I want you to be on it. I want you to be on it. There's no greater joy than knowing that you had a part in changing someone's eternity. God is calling us, if we want to get on this good news tour, to not only help someone, but one of the greatest ways is to just get on the team, get plugged in, get a part of what God's doing. I had a lady come up to me um, yesterday. I ran into her. I want to say Piggly Wiggly. It's not Piggly it's, it's always Piggly Wiggly to me, okay? Because I just like hearing JJ say Piggly Wiggly. And so I always say Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> I always make him say it. It's lines marking now. But I was there and a lady, lady came up to me and she said, are you Pastor Josh? I said, who's asking? Um, first question. Yes, ma'am. She said, I just wanted to tell you thank you so much. For what? For starting the 5 p.m. service. I said, why? She said, for 20 years, I haven't been able to go to church because I work Sunday mornings. But now it's just been an answer to my prayers. I'll see you Sunday. I said, come sit with me. I got it right here. But it's going to take all of us. And there's a lot more people that are out there like that. We, we, we started doing surveys between Lake Charles and Lafayette. There is no church in this region that is doing a full-on Sunday night service. We have potential people to reach some people. To reach some people. Number three, let me give you number third, and that is to invest and invite. Invest and invite. Invest and invite. Don't just invite. Invest and invite. Invite. But make sure you invest and invite. Get involved in people's lives. Get involved in people's lives. Don't just throw a flyer at somebody. Don't just throw an invite card at somebody. We want you to invest in people. Why do we invest in people? Because people matter to God. And if they matter to God, they matter to us. 
So invest in your neighbors, invest in your coworkers, invest in your friends, invest in your classmate, invest, just invest in them, love on them. And there's gonna come a moment where you're gonna get a chance to invite and you're gonna pray and you're gonna ask God and God's gonna do it and I'm gonna show you, ready? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this real practical. Here are three things that if you hear any of these, you invite someone to church. Ready? I'm gonna give you the three things. It's called three knots. I call them the three knots. Number one, if you hear someone say that they're not in church, ah, I don't really like church. <laughs> Come to mine. Ah, I don't really do the church thing, but I'd like to invite you to mine. If you hear someone say, oh, things aren't going well. Man, just, man it's just been really hard. Just my marriage isn't going well. Man, things with my kids have been really hard. It's just not going well. Anytime you hear someone say that, invite them to church. You could be at La Rumba. You hear somebody behind you in the back say, it's just not going well. Lean over the thing and say, hey, you want to come to my church? Just, just do it. <laughs> I hope everybody does that to me. Okay. Number three, if you hear someone say, I'm not, I have not been prepared for this. I have just not been prepared for this. Now, this may sound really, really weird, but one of the places that I have the biggest conversation with number three is at funerals. Because usually death never gives you an announcement that it's coming for the most part. Most people, it takes them by surprise because life is unexpected. And there's no greater opportunity that I believe than at a funeral when people are, oh, I just wasn't prepared for this. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't say, why don't you just come join me at church? Why don't you just let this be a place? You say, Pastor Josh, is the church the answer for everything? Maybe. Because I think we talk about a man who can fix anything and heal anything and work with anyone. And y'all with me? Because Jesus is four people. He's four people. So you hear any of these things. Oh, we had a baby. I just wasn't prepared for that. Just come to church. We got you. Come to church. And, and here's the specific invitation. You ready? Here's, here's what I want you to say. When you invite them, I want you to say this. Come sit with me. I don't want you to say, hey, man, I just would love for you to come. Hey, man, you should just visit our church sometime. No, 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 no. I want you to say, come sit with me. Everybody say that with me. Come sit with me. Say it one more time. Come Okay, now ready? Watch this. How many of you in here are here at the church because somebody invited you? Raise your hand. Raise your hand all over the place. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. It's powerful. One invite could change someone's entire eternity. One invite. So we yet again have made that even more easier for you because we have actual invite cards. And they say on the front, you will love my church. Now, don't pass these out if you don't love your church, okay? <laughs> but if you do, this is going to be a conversation starter for someone. So I'm telling you, I know you would love it. And then on top of that, we have yard signs that are coming with all that, and you, you can grab one on the way out if you haven't already, and those are free and all that. But we want to give you as many tools as you can to start the conversation with people. I'm ready to paint the town blue. We're going to tell everybody about what God's doing. Not because we want our church famous, because Jesus is famous and Jesus can change lives. This is what he does. But he invites you and I to be a part of it. And I'm going to tell you this. Our willingness to get involved in what God's doing, God will get involved in what you're doing. This is what he does. And let me give you number four, is to be generous with 
your resources. You want to be on the good news tour, this is a part of it, is that God is calling us not only to help people and not only to jump on a team and not only to invest and invite, but he's also calling us to be a generous people. We want to be a generous church. We want, to be, we want generosity to be marked by us. And when people think of us, they think of generosity. And I want to show you a scripture as we end in Luke chapter, chapter am I in? Can you put that up? Luke chapter 8. Watch this. So Jesus is on the tour. He started the tour. And it says, soon afterwards, Jesus began a ministry tour and throughout the country visiting cities and villages to announce the wonderful news of God's kingdom realm. The next verse, it says this. His 12 disciples traveled with him. But watch this. It wasn't just for men. He also traveled with women. Come on, got any women in the house? Watch this. These women who had been healed. Here's our word. It's been healed of many illnesses under his ministry and set free. They went through freedom. Come on, somebody. From demonic power. And now watch this. Watch the next verse. And Jesus had cast out seven demons from one woman. Whew, that would have been a crazy house. <laughs> What's up with mama? Nothing. She got a demon. She don't got one. She got seven. Okay, so. Her name was Mary Magdalene. Now, we know, we know about Mary because Mary was one of the first to the tomb after Jesus resurrected. Here's what I love about Mary's story, by the way, because Mary was a woman, of course, she's got a lot of issues. Demon has definitely beat her up. But I'm here to encourage you because I love, because Jesus makes sure that he puts people on his team that have a past. Listen to me. Every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. Mary is proof of that. Paul is proof of that. I mean, you go through scripture, everybody's proof of that. They don't, they're, they're not perfect. And among the women was Susanna and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, who managed King Herod's household. So not only do you have someone on the team that's got demon possession, you got, you got other women on the team who have a lot of money. So think about this. Jesus had people that had a lot of money, and he had people that had no money. He had people that, that had tons of issues, and he had people that had little issues. We, he had people that were outcasts, and he had people that were in the inner society. He had men, he had women. God chooses this, and this is what he does. He chooses all of these people, and he brings them on his team. In the next, in the next verse, it says this, and many other women who supported Jesus' ministry from their what? from their own personal finances also travel with him. All right, question. Could Jesus have provided enough money for himself for his tour, yes or no? Yeah, he could have, right? I mean, all throughout the Old Testament, we see him providing for his people, you know, raining Big Macs from heaven. I mean, he's got, I mean, this is what God does. I mean, we know that Jesus could provide it because when taxes were due, he told his guys, hey, go fishing. There's gonna be some fish that you catch. They got gold in their mouth. Pay the taxes with that. So we know that Jesus could have easily provided for his ministry. He did not need these women's money. He could have had his own. Why then would he make these women help him in paying for his tour? Ready, watch. Because Jesus didn't want them just to watch the miracles. He wanted them to be a part of the miracle. When the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus could have easily been like, blah, 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 and then just food right there. I don't know if he would have done it like that. That was a little, <laughs> a little more effeminate than I cared for, but. <laughs> Whoa, blah, blam. <laughs> so 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. No, I don't apologize. This is what you get. But he didn't. What does he do? He says, give me what you got. Well, we got a boy. He's got a Lunchable. Can we do that? Yeah, give me those. And he, and he prays over that. And then he, this is what? He puts it in his disciples' hands and he says, now you go pass it out. How are we going to do this? I'm sure the first couple, he was like, take a little bit. Take a little bit. Take a little and then as the Bible says, as they're passing it out, it's multiplying in their hands. Why would he do that? Because he doesn't want us just to be a church that watches the miracle. He wants us to be a church that's in the miracle. And we're a people that are in the miracle. Y'all realize like we're in a miracle right now. What God is doing in your family, what God is doing in our communities is a miracle and a move of God. And he's inviting us to be a part of it. How many want in? I want in. I'm all in. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's make sure we give God all the glory. This isn't about our Savior's church. This is about what God wants to do in this area through his people that say yes. Amen. Father, we love you. And God, I thank you today for your people. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have in this moment to say yes, to say yes. God, we want in. We want in. Lord, we don't, we're, we're not a, a people who want to just have church in a building. God, we want the church to leave the building. God, we want, I, want, I want to see people having church, God, in, 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 in the supermarkets and in their workplaces and in the hospitals and in their schools. God, you're, you're equipping and calling all of us, God, to be your hands and your feet. And I pray, God, that this week, God, even as we look for opportunities to, to show people how much we love them, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help each person. God, I pray that you would be with them. And God, we thank you, Lord, that today you have loved us. God, why, why would we do this? Because you've given more to us than we could ever give to you. You have blessed us. You have saved us. You have healed us. You have freed us. You have been with us. And so today, what you've done to us, God, we want to return and do for others. God, I pray that there would be countless stories over the coming weeks of what you do through your people when they live full of the Holy Spirit with open eyes and open hands. Jesus, today I pray that over your people. With all heads bowed, just in this moment, the greatest thing that you can do before you even begin to try to be like Jesus is to be with Jesus. The Bible says that sin breaks that, breaks that relationship. It, it tears and destroys. And so for, for so many of us, before we ever knew Jesus, we gave our life to, to money or we gave our life to our work or we gave our life to relationships. And you have come to a place to realize that that still does not satisfy. And the reason that it doesn't is because God was created for that gap. He wants to come and fill that hole. He wants to come and be your purpose. Jesus gave his life and he took your sin and my sin and your shame and my shame and he bore it on a cross and he rose again and he says, if you, if you wanna experience true life, then a man or woman must be born again. Meaning we surrender. It says, it's as easy as ABC, we admit that we're sinners we believe that Jesus did all that 
that he could, that there's nothing that we can do. He died on the cross and rose again. This isn't something that we earn. It's something that God gives us and we receive. And if we will confess him as Lord and Savior of our life, the Bible says that God will come and he will begin to do an inside-out job. He will change us from the inside out. If that's you in this room and you've never prayed that, you say, Pastor Josh, I want that in my life. On the count of three, I want you to shoot your hands up. One, two, three. Going up all across this room. If that's you, if that's you, thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six. Anybody else? Pastor Josh, that's me. Okay, you can put your hands down right there where you are. And we, as a church family, are gonna pray right here alongside with you. And I want you to pray this, and I want you to mean this with all of your heart as you say this. I want you to say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross to take my shame, my sin, and my guilt. I believe that you faced hell for me so that I wouldn't have to go. Today, I turn from my sins and I place you as the Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus, be my Savior. God, be my Father. Holy Spirit, be my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.